How many of y'all have ever said or heard someone say to you, let me help you? I think most of us have heard that phrase told to us from time to time. Uh, sometimes uh, someone will say that phrase to us and then not help us, uh, not follow through with that. But sometimes people will tell us, let me help you with that and actually follow through. Uh, and so here we have Paul's thank you letter to a small congregation that said, let me be a help to you, let me help you, and actually follow through uh, with that, with that um, statement. And so he specifically gives thanks to them uh, during this text that we look at. And Paul here, uh, it's important to know where he's at when he's writing this. He is in a prison. Uh, and so we find him in a prison. Uh, we know that his life is about to end. I think that the Apostle Paul knew that his life was probably about to end. And so this church hears where he's at uh, and decides they want to be a blessing again to Paul. And so they send Ephroditus to him. Um, and, and they want him to be an encouragement to him. They, they take gifts uh, to Paul through Ephroditus. But during this time with Paul, he gets sick and he almost dies. And so Paul sends him back to the church with this letter. And so Paul at the at the end of this letter, makes a statement in verse 19. And he says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Paul here is literally committing God to do something for these people. Uh, he's literally saying that God will take care of your needs. He's promising this church that God will take care of their needs. That's a lot of boldness and confidence in his Savior, in his Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he had assurance that God would take care of their needs. Uh, and so he tells them this. And so it's a boldness. And he says it like it's a guarantee. And, and it is a guarantee. Um, but we're going to see many times in Scripture there are certain things that may not apply to everyone. Uh, we know the gospel is for everyone. That, that God desires each one of us to know him. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. And so the gospel is for everyone. Uh, and, and he desires all of us to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. As the video and, and audio mentioned uh, it is about Jesus Christ, and so that is for everyone, but there's some, some things that we see through Scripture that maybe not everyone will experience. Uh, there are some things um, that, that maybe aren't limited to maybe one person or, or the first 10,000 people that enter a stadium, but there are some restrictions through certain things in the Bible, um, and there are some things that not everyone will experience because it's dependent upon our relationship with Christ and it's dependent upon our obedience to Christ. Uh, and so Paul is, is going to give a few things in this text that an obedient Christian can expect from God. Uh, these are things that, as a disobedient Christian, you probably won't experience from God. But Paul says, as an obedient Christian, there are some things that God is going to do in your life, and there are some things that you can expect God to do in your life. And so he, he makes some statements here, and we'll start in verse 10. He says in verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 12, it says, I know both how to uh, be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And in verse 10, we see that he mentions your care of me hath flourished again. Uh, he's telling the Philippian people here, uh, in verses 10 through 12, um, not the Philippian people, the, the Church of Philippi. I apologize for that. I, we work as a ministry in the Philippines, and sometimes I just get those confused in my mind. And so, But he's telling these people that your care of me hath caused him to flourish again. The word flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy and vigorous way, um, especially as a result of a favorable environment 
Uh, we know that there are certain environments where things just won't, won't grow, won't flourish. Uh, I grew up in Texas in the desert, and uh, as, a, as a boy, I had to mow the yard. That was my chore. I had to mow the yard. And in Texas, the yard consisted of mostly weeds and dirt, every now and then some grass. Sometimes it was even hard to know where you mowed because there wasn't really anything to mow. And so I always wanted a, a, a flourishing lawn to mow. I thought, man, when, when I get a yard, I'm going to make sure it's flourishing and that it's growing. Um, but there's some things that have to happen for a lawn to flourish. Uh, there has to be that good environment. There has to be that nurture. There has to be uh, a healthy environment for it to flourish. And so the care of, of this church, the Bible says, caused Paul to flourish. Um, without the financial and prayer support of the local church, missions and missionaries around the world would, would not be flourishing. And so you have an important part in missions. Uh, as your pastor mentions, it's not just financial but also prayer that causes missions to flourish. Uh, and so Paul says their gift has made him to flourish again. I want you to think about that. Paul mentions how God supplied his needs and brought him this satisfaction. And so Paul mentions two seasons of his life um, that he had this satisfaction uh, that was through God. The first we see is the time when he had plenty. Um, immediately, I think this is probably the easiest time for us to flourish, right, when we have everything we need. Uh, but, but oftentimes, uh, this is the time where we're not satisfied with what we have, where we always want more, when we're not, when we're not trusting in in Christ to supply our needs. Sometimes when we have enough and when we have plenty or when we have access, excess are, are times when we don't trust God, are times when we don't rely on Him. And so Paul learned that even when times were good, he had to rely on God. Um, and, and this can be a time when it's easy for us to not intentionally find ourselves distanced from God because we're comfortable and we have everything we need. So Paul said, there's two, two seasons of my life when God brought me satisfaction. The first was when I had plenty but then he also says in verse 12 uh, that there was a time when he didn't have much, and in a time of poverty, he learned to be satisfied in God. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, a good meal begins with hunger. And, and some of that is true. You know, we, we may not want to eat much of a certain meal, but if we haven't eaten all day and we've been working outside or developing an appetite, that meal is going to be, be wonderful and be great. And so Paul uses the word here, abased, which means to discipline oneself. Um, he, he had to tighten his belt, so to speak. He, he didn't have enough. He was in poverty. Um, there were times when he didn't know if he was going to even make it, when he was in difficulties and bad situations. And, and so Paul may not have even knew if he was going to survive that, but he still learned to be satisfied in God, both in times of plenty and times when he was abased or in times of poverty. Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 real quick. Keep your place in Philippians 4. Um, but go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul mentions some things that he went through in his life here in, in uh, verse 24. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. He was beaten five times. Then in verse 25, Thrice was I beaten with rods. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. He was shipwrecked three times and spent one whole night and one day floating in the ocean. Verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of water, and perils of robbers. He was attacked by robbers. In perils of, by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils 
among false brethren. Um, in verse 26, in weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Paul mentions all these things that he's gone through in verse 28, beside those things that are without, and that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. So Paul mentions all these things that, that he's been through, and yet he's learned to be satisfied. I don't know, as a Christian, as a human, how much of those things I would have lived through. How many of those things would have not made me quit? But Paul learned to be satisfied both in the good times and the bad times and find that satisfaction in Christ. What kept Paul going wasn't the good things going on in his life. Um, it wasn't the comforts of his life. When good things happen to us, sometimes we, we stop and we think, wow, God is really blessing me. And all these good things are happening in my life. And then sometimes when we go through things that aren't great or we don't have good things happening to us, we think, where is God? We don't see Paul ever having this attitude throughout Scripture. He doesn't expect God to make everything good. Rather, he learns to find his satisfaction in God and not in the circumstances surrounding his daily goodness or lack of goodness. He finds his satisfaction in, in Jesus Christ and not in a place or in the things he has or doesn't have. He finds his satisfaction in Christ alone. And so Paul instructed them to find their satisfaction only in God. That's why he had absolute confidence in God and why he was able to make the statement that God would supply all their needs because he knew that he could satisfy all their needs. And Paul wrote this, you know, it was in prison. It makes me think what, what kind of man gives thanks, gives joy, rejoices in the Lord while he's in prison. Um, where does that joy come from? It doesn't come from the comforts of this life. It doesn't come from the comforts of his couch or, or his house or or anything this world offers, it comes from his satisfaction in Christ. And so Paul isn't talking to every believer here. He's specifically addressing this church. Uh, and he, he's telling them that those who are obeying God, there's some things that we can count on and some things we can find satisfaction in. Um, there's some here today that can say for 100% fact that they know they're obeying God. And I, wanted, I wanted, want you to find comfort in the satisfaction that comes from obeying God. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't know that I'm obeying God or I don't even know what God wants me to do. I want to challenge you this week to pray about what God wants you to do and, and see whether you're obeying God with your life. Um, there's great satisfaction found in knowing you're living in obedience to the will of God. And so Paul tells these people here that he will satisfy. Uh, he, and, and he tells his people that the, he can, they can find satisfaction in Christ. Not only do they find satisfaction um, but if you turn back to Philippians chapter 4, he tells us in verse 13, there's a strength that comes from Christ. It says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, if we read that alone, it sounds like that we're pretty capable, uh, that we can do a lot. Uh, but we have to consider the previous verses. And he's just talked about the satisfaction that's found in God. Uh, and then he transfers into verse 13 where he says, I can do all things through Christ. This is probably one of the most common verses heard um, and known around the world besides maybe John 3.16. Uh, and so maybe it's one of the most quoted and me memorized verses. Um, but we should not isolate this verse. We have to look at this verse in the context of the surrounding verses. So Paul was not speaking about his own strength here. When he says, he, when he says I can do all things, he's not talking about his strength. Um, Paul was... Uh, talking about someone who was a receiver of God's strength. And Paul says, I can do all things. He says, I can do 
because he learned to rely on God for his strength. And so as we, we, we think about this, um, Paul found his strength in God, and, and that's important because God wants to use us as Christians. Uh, think about that. Even though on our best days we're far from perfect, and even on our worst days we, we probably shouldn't even go there, but God still wants to use us. It's amazing to think that the creator of the universe wants to use us to, to reach people for Christ. He wants to use us to encourage other people. He wants to use us in his ministry. And so Paul's not talking about a generic or a corporate strength. Paul is talking about a personal strength from God. He says, Paul, he says, Paul, I receive strength from God. And so Paul understood that there were some things that only Paul could do and that he needed God's strength for. Uh, I hear people say all the time, I could never you know, teach a Sunday school class, or I could never take a missions trip, or I could never uh, do this, or I could never do that. And maybe that's true in your own strength. But Paul understood that his strength came from God. Yeah. And when, when, when our strength comes from God, um, that statement isn't true, and we can do things. And so we have to understand that there are no limits to God. I know we teach that, but do we really believe that God has no limits? Uh, when we get that bad news or, or we lose that job, do we understand that that God has no limits and He can take care of us. Uh, what about when God asks us to do something that causes us to be uncomfortable or to be in an uncomfortable situation? Do we really understand there are no limits to what God can do? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Turn there real quick. It says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That word able there. Uh, refers to something similar to dynamite. That's the kind of power that God has. Um, when we're out in Jamaica, we work in a, in a poor area outside of Kingston. They, they build their homes out of concrete, con concrete block. And you might say, well, I could, I could take my fist and I could punch through a sheetrock wall here. But out in Jamaica, you're not going to take your fist and punch through that concrete block. That concrete block is going to break your fist. Um, but what we can do when we're out there, if we're trying to break through that wall, is we can take a drill and drill a hole and stick a stick of dynamite in there, and, and we can break through that wall. That's the kind of power God's saying we have. I think back as a child watching um, uh, the cartoon with Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, all the dynamite references. That's what we have to think about when we think about God. He has that dynamite power. And so Paul's trying to teach us there's power in our God, uh, and he's literally able to do anything. And so God's strength in us is able for us to do anything enables us to endure anything and to go through anything. And so Paul's teaching us that there is power in God's strength. Now, sometimes God is limited by our unbelief. And so that's on us as we have to have the faith and, and, and walk with Christ. And so Paul's saying in verse 13 here that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so Paul came to understand that it was through Christ where he got his strength. And Paul learned some valuable lessons. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 with me. Uh, we'll look at chapter 12 now. Look at verse 7. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul came to learn that he had power through Christ through this portion of Scripture, I believe. When he, he had this thorn in his flesh and he asked Christ to remove it, and Christ said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And so we see in verse 7 or 8 that he had this difficulty come and he begged God to remove it. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient uh, and my, my power is sufficient. And, 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 and through this weakness, you will be made strong through my strength. And so we see Paul change his tune completely. Instead of begging God to remove this thorn in his flesh, he says, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to glory in my problems. I'm going to glory in this difficulty. I'm going to glory in my infirmity. So many times we as Christians, we, we start dealing with problems and it changes our, our, our demeanor. It changes how we respond. And, and instead of finding glory in that and trusting Christ and allowing His grace to be sufficient, we turn into grumpy Christians. We turn into Eeyores and just think about how much difficulty we have in our life. And we tend to ask God to remove our thorn in our side, our burdens, our tough obstacles, when sometimes we have to experience it. Uh, with God's strength so that we can continue to grow, so that we can continue to mature as Christians, and so that God can continue to use us. So Paul says, I will gladly glory in my infirmity so the power of God can rest on me. That word rest means come to stay. Uh, it, it's not a rest as in I'm going to take a nap. It's a, the power of God's now constantly on my life, and it's resting upon my life. And so more than his own comfort, Paul wanted the power of God to come and rest on his life, come and stay on his life. Turn back to Philippians now, um, chapter 4, our main text this morning. Paul learned that whatever he experienced, the difficulty and illness, the pain, that it was in this opportunity for him to experience more of the power of God on his life. And so he wouldn't complain or ask for it to be removed. So not only is Paul telling these people that God will satisfy, not only is he telling these people that God will strengthen them, um, but then he says he'll supply. Look at verse 14. Notwithstanding ye have done well that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. Verse 16, he talks about how it happened in Thessalonica. And then in verse 17, he says it's not because I desire or seek a gift, but I desire or seek that fruit may abound to your account. And so Paul tells these people that Christ will supply their need. In verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, God used these people of this church to supply his needs. And he's telling them, just as you came to supply my needs, Christ will supply your needs. And he may use someone to do that. He may use himself to do that. But God will supply your needs. Uh, and so these believers had sacrificed to give to Paul's need. Paul was in need and God used these people to help him uh, meet those needs. And, and God uses people sometimes to meet the needs of others. And so they sacrificed, the Bible says, um, to be a help to Paul. As Christians, we need to give and allow God to supply our need. Sometimes we um, don't give, and so we, we really have no need for God to supply. And so here, here, here Paul is telling these people that as you continue to give just as you gave to help me, Christ will supply your need. As Christians, we need to be people who give out of our uh, abundance, but also out of our poverty so that Christ can supply our need. 
Many Christians never experience God supplying their needs because they never learn how to give to others and never have a spot or an opportunity in their life for Christ to supply their need. And so Paul tells these people here in this church that have been a, a help and a blessing to him that, that they can find strength in God, that God will give them strength, God will give them satisfaction, and God will supply their needs. But he's telling that to them as obedient Christians, as Christians who are obeying God. You see, in the Christian life, here's what will happen. God brings an opportunity for us to grow. God gives an opportunity for us to obey and follow Him. And um, when we do that, we have an opportunity to come apart from others, and we get to experience a new level of God's love. We get to experience a new level of God's satisfaction, a new level of God's commitment. So as we become Christians, we're right here. Uh, and as we obey God, as Pastor mentioned this morning, maybe you're here and have never been baptized, that's the first step of obedience. And so as you obey God and become baptized, you take a step further. You take a step further forward. And as the Lord challenges you and, and as you seek to obey Him, um, he, and he gives you opportunity to do so, um, you take another step forward like Paul, and you take another step forward, and maybe you've gone through some things like Paul, and so you've learned to trust him, so you take another step forward. But then there's people who haven't taken those steps, and they're still back here. And so they may not experience those blessings that he talks about here. They may not experience those, uh, the strength that comes from obeying God. They may not experience the satisfaction found in obeying God. So I want to challenge you this morning, if you're here, obey God. Uh, grow, with, grow with him and allow him to provide these things in your life. Paul isn't saying he's anything special. Paul isn't saying that he's a superman uh, or that he has these uh, abilities or gifts that no one else has. Paul's simply saying that he, he learned a few things. And he learned these things because he obeyed God. And he allowed himself uh, to be in a position where God could bless him, where God could show him his strength, where God could supply his needs. Uh, and so Paul isn't saying he's anything special, but he's learned some things. And because he chose to obey God when things were difficult, and he chose to obey God in times of poverty, he learned and experienced different aspects of God. And he's encouraging this church, not just the individuals, but the church. Um, no one else came to help me but, but you. I want to share these things with you. These are some things. If you'll learn these things, fruit can abound to your account. If you'll learn these things, you'll have more fruit in your account. That's why Paul was able to tell these people uh, who obeyed and followed God that God would supply their needs in verse 19, that God would take care of them and bring them satisfaction and, and provide the strength throughout the chapter we saw. So Paul still says, I still struggle. He says uh, in a different portion of scripture, the things I would do, I, I don't do, and the things I want to do, sometimes I don't do. Paul isn't saying he's perfect, but Paul's saying he's learned a few things, and he's taken these steps of obedience, and Christ has proven himself and he's found satisfaction in Christ, and he's found strength in Christ, and he's found a way to move forward with Christ. So Paul was speaking in confidence because he believed that God obligates himself to obedient Christians, and he's experienced that God obligates himself to those who obey God. It doesn't mean you're not saved, but if you're not obeying God, he's not going to obligate himself the way that Paul saw and experienced Christ. You, won't, you may not experience those things, but God will definitely do things for an obedient Christian that maybe he isn't apt to do for those who aren't obedient. And so the people of this church had found themselves in this situation um, to hear these things from Paul because of their obedience to God. So in closing, let me, let me tell you this. God will supply your need, um, the needs of, of an obedient Christian. 
Is, is your satisfaction in God? New things come and go. Uh, we can look for the new phone. We can get the new car. We can, we can build a new house, but all of those things are going to get old. Um, and, and we can't allow our satisfaction to be found in stuff. It's got to be found in God. And are you trusting in His strength? Even in times of plenty, are you, are you trusting in His strength? I don't know what you're going through or dealing with today, but I can tell you at least a little bit from my own life um, and my own experiences that God will supply your needs. And God will take care of you, but there are some conditions. You have to be obeying God. Are you obeying Him? Are you, are you a believer? Maybe you're here today and don't know Christ as your Savior. Um, and, and so, you know, we can tell you about the eternity, the difference in heaven and hell. And, and, and the Bible is clear that He's not willing that any should perish and that He wants to, everyone to experience eternal life with Christ. But there's a lot more to being a Christian than just eternity. Um, there's, there's benefits in this life. Uh, there's a God who loves us, a God who can take care of us, a God who can give us strength. There's a God who, who desires to do all things for us if we'll simply obey Him. Um, and so there are, are promises for the obedient Christian. And, and Paul, as an obedient Christian, desired that this church that had sacrificially given to him um, would do the things that he had talked about and that they would experience the satisfaction in God, that they would experience the supply and the strength um, that God can provide. And that's why he's able to make that statement, my God shall supply all your needs, because Paul knew that these were obedient Christians, and he makes this promise on God's behalf. Maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit's telling you you're not obeying God. I would challenge you to, to talk with your pastor about how you can start obeying God. Maybe you know exactly what you need to be doing, and you're simply not. Um, there are so much um, blessings. There are so many things that God wants to bestow upon our life. But we have to be willing to obey Him. So as this conference moves forward, um, as we think about the fruit that we want to abound to our account, it starts with obedience. It starts with us obeying God in our own life and knowing exactly what God wants us to do. So I want to challenge you this morning. Are you obeying God? And if you are, then my God shall, as Paul says.